0: welcome to m squared we're here with our lovely guest rosella Rado. uh we're here with anthony rapichulo from pr station and What's mike up? bloomfield from techie Geek. good afternoon so welcome thank you for coming and joining us today
1: thank you for having me
0: uh we have totally interesting story and something unique and different than uh than we've had in the past couple of episodes with you being a food influencer and and being a published author and things like that so we're really interested to to really kind of dig in and hear your story. But before we get to that, we typically bounce around a couple different ideas about things that are happening. Rap has his typical Rap like how now, happened.
2: for today's Rap ramp.
0: I like the intro more than
2: the content. Rap Is that long? Rap Check your phone. Rap It's good. How long
0: do we have? Have
1: we got
2: more time? Perfect. He Loved needs that intro. last he note. He made that. He made that. Wow. With his feet, his hands, his head, every instrument he owns. So what are we talking Shout about? That? What so, do we got? So today's Raps Rant is about pay to play with Instagram and we have an influencer with us. So I'm Ooh. sure she has some better insight than we may have. But as you may know, Meta has recently decided that they're going to introduce a pay to play monthly plan, both for Instagram and for Facebook. I think it's 11, 12 bucks a month.
1: It's Ro 14.
2: Will me. I was going to say I know you'll correct me. <laughs> it's 1499. But, but basically when you pay this fee, you're going to get the blue check mark that you used to have to inherit or earn and you're also going to when you read what's included, it says you will have more reach. It says you will grow your followers. It's so basically content creators like us here and like Ro right here who have been doing content creation, doing a great job and being awarded Based on their merit and their production and quality of content. Now you could have the best production, the best content, but Instagram and Facebook are saying, well, it doesn't matter what the content is. If you don't pay us, you're not going to get influencers or follow.
1: This also comes on the heels of Instagram and Fa- uh, uh, of Meta removing their bonus program, though.
2: So talk to us about that too. Well, you know more that, than we do.
1: That was like a big punch in the like really? to to a lot of people. And first of all, thank you guys for having me, for calling. I guess Meals by cooge wasn't available and like <laughs> so here I am. um
2: You were hand selected, believe right. me. Right.
1: Uh no. He's Danny's a lovely young man. Um
3: Was <laughs> she talking about you? No, definitely not this the thing. Thing. Oh. No, They're
1: The meals cooge. Do you have Instagram? No. He's Do you tech go geek. on geek. it?
3: Tech no. Geek. Have you You're the
1: tech geek, you yeah, I'm have. the tech geek. Yeah, so, <laughs>
3: I watched, Do you do you watch Linus Tech Tips?
1: Do I look like I watch Linus Tech
3: Tips? Do I look like I know Dan? Actually, I do. You I do look like do.
0: I know. <laughs> have you ever had a bacon, egg, and cheese? Of course. There
1: you go. Come on. Wow. So they they said, okay, we're going to stop the bonus program, which is the only reason that mo- a lot of people have been creating reels. Like in the past few years, I think. I, I can't remember when reels became a thing, but there was a certain point where Instagram first said, uh, you need to make reels, no more photos, don't post the photo, cause we're not gonna show it to anybody. I think it was 20, I
0: think it was 20, Yeah, it was and around. I think it was on the heels of Snapchat. Of TikTok,
1: because TikTok blew up during the pandemic. Then Facebook wanted to compete with TikTok. So they're like, make reels or we're gonna hurt your family. Right. And like, everybody just started making reels. And to encourage people to make more reels, they're like, okay, we're gonna start paying you for reels, uh, for the views on your reels. So you had to be invited into that program. It was like it was l- easier than getting a blue check. Getting a blue check was impossible. I would, I, I bought it. I I drank the Kool Aid. There you I, go. I it's had right. to. And you don't. You don't judge. You don't get anything. Okay? No, it doesn't do it. It just you makes get, you feel good. You get, get uKats when you, you, get you pay a, that fourteen. You get <laughs> a blue
3: check. You it get makes a blue you feel check. It's, it's, it, you could go with Twitter and get a blue check for seven bucks a month. Eight it's, bucks a month. There's yeah.
1: nothing. I what I do like about it is that I think um, it 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 leveled the playing field. For a lot of pe- for a lot of influencers, because like it used to be this thing where uh, you know if you didn't have a blue check that you, you were no good. Yeah, like yeah. who who the hell are you? You right. don't even have a blue check. Like, right. well, but your content could be amazing. Or um, there used to be certain benchmarks in Instagram that people were would have to hit to be taken seriously. Like a hundred thousand followers. That's not even it anymore. You have to have like two hundred thousand followers to really be serious. Right. To be a serious and to to. For people to think that you have an influence a real influence and it like really changed the way we think about How much how many followers is enough to create an influence and I mean I've been doing this since 2009 and I think You know a smaller following Depending on what you want to do is almost better and more concentrated for certain things. So is it good? Um, now everybody just has it's just it was a great equalizer but also they took a lot of people's um, you know, revenue earning abilities away and it really upset a lot of people who were starting to rely on that amount of money. What that's, about the that's, actual
0: content? That's the natural progression of content, right? And platforms that have content in them is that they figure out how to monetize themselves and then they'll say whatever they want or they'll do whatever they want and if you wanna get your message across the way that you want it, it becomes sponsored content.
1: But yeah. you know, I probably shouldn't say this because of the nature say, of what I say do. It now. But say it here, um, first time. To me, unless you're monetizing your content in in a in some kind of way outside of social media, you're in trouble because it's just not sustainable. You figure it out, and then they take it away. Well, you know, it could change at any moment. You're at the mercy of of Meta and all the. They can change the rules whenever they want, and they do. Right. Don't so, put all your
3: eggs in one basket. No,
1: don't do that.
3: Yeah, and, and the problem becomes, and we, we've talked about it others, not only can they change the game and change the rules, and they have the right to do that because you're on their platform. Let's be real. You're the influencer, but you're there because of them, and they could change it as quickly or ban you, right? You go and say the wrong thing, and next thing you know, you could be demonetized and off the
1: platform. You could be demonetized for anything at any yeah. moment.
3: We had Shaolin's funny
2: guy. You follow him, Shaolin's funny guy. He's got a lot of followers, big Staten Island brand, big name, and they turned him off. And he told us they they turned him off. Instagram shut him down. Yeah, because heard, he because he put, put a picture
3: because he had a he did I think it was a reel with his, oh, son, with his son in the bathtub, oh. and they said ch- it was a you know having a child. But to, to your, your point, it. that put
2: a, a damper on his followings and, and his earnings, and it hurt him. Yeah, and just because they had a whim.
1: It's it they're the mafia. What do you want?
3: Well, well a new meta form mafia of it. Besides yeah, that,
1: though, I mean, mafia. outside
0: of that, right? You're moving on to TikTok and other things. We've said it a handful of times. Like we, we're the guinea pigs of right. of TikTok. We're the only country being monetized by them, and it's people that are creating content that then people are going and watching and interacting with. What they're learning from. So we're literally feeding that that model and that beast of of how other people are monetizing. People might get paid to create content, but the people that care about that brand or whatever, they're just making money for themselves.
1: So the way it works is it's an ecosystem, right? So a brand, let's say, you know, Coca-Cola pays me $1,000 to make this video. But if, you know, Instagram just, you know, decides that they don't wanna show people my content, you know, that deal with Coca-Cola is not gonna come around again. right? Because my, my views are crappy. You know, my reach is bad. My engagement is not good. So it's not just about, you know, one number in one place. You have to really make sure that it's going 360. Otherwise, you're in a lot of trouble.
2: So which platform are you seeing the most success from right now?
1: Oh, I mean, it, it's interesting because I kind of had a really big growth period over the summer on Instagram. Okay, I went I grew like 50,000 followers, wow. like really fast in, in a matter of maybe 60 days, not even. Considering that I've been building that first 50 since 2012, you know, that uh, that was really, really quick. And that was because I was creating reels.
2: And was that because of a, a viral piece of content that just put you off the charts you know, or was it because of consistency or?
1: I think it was probably a, a, a few different things, but I think the I don't know that it was because my content got necessarily so much better. I think it definitely got a little bit better and a little bit different. And I was presenting myself differently, but I just think that uh, the algorithm liked me for as long as it did, and that's it showed it the showed people me. my stuff. It ju- decided.
0: I think that's a pretty good segue into into what this podcast is really about, right? We're talking about personal brands, being able to grow your brand in the market, and and what your journey was to be able to get there. So, we'd love to hear a little bit about your background, your story, your what your brand is. It's it's a this is. The cooking with Nona on, on Sunday dinners is your. This is your newest cookbook that's out, and uh, it's gorgeous. It's Thank a beautiful you. brand. Your grandma's with you in here on it. Tell us a little bit. It's about not it. grandma. It's Nona.
1: Nona. Irish.
0: He's Irish. He don't know. He's Irish. Uh, my my kid's half a meatball. I get it. Like <laughs> <laughs> he, he calls his, half his, a his, meatball. His his kid. And he calls. His What's grandma the other half? Nona. A
1: boiled potato. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, boiled and burnt. <laughs>
1: <laughs> wow, meatballs so much cuter. <laughs> <for me. laughs> That's right. It's Gaelic and garlic. Gaelic, Gaelic and, and garlic. garlic. <laughs> I like that.
2: Let's give you another title. Captions right here. Gaelic and garlic.
1: So, um, I started cooking with in 2009, and the which is you know the dawn of like content creation. Sure. It's like the dinosaurs were you know the God created the earth yeah. and He created YouTube and. Um, there were very few people on YouTube at that time doing food content. And especially if you were doing Italian food content, you didn't look like me. You didn't sound like me. You were probably a restaurant chef or a trained chef. You weren't some banana who learned how to cook in her grandma's basement.
0: But that's what it needs to be.
1: Right. But, and, Relatable. And,
0: so what was your first platform?
1: Wait, so the story is kind of interesting because I was at St. John's University and I was um, in the education, the school of education there. I was studying to become an Italian teacher because Italian's my first language. Actually, I didn't learn English here until I was five. Okay. And, um, you know, it, that was just what all the girls in my neighborhood did with themselves when you just had no idea what the hell to do. So I was studying to be a teacher. It wasn't really... My thing and I think my dad of all people noticed that my dad was a telecommunications executive for a long time And I was living with my nonna in the basement in our house in Brooklyn Because nice Italian girls are not allowed to dorm Okay, back then they weren't
2: still a true story today.
1: Yeah, and so my parents lived in New Jersey So I moved back to Brooklyn to live with nonna and like we shared a bedroom for four years, which was I mean, I've seen things that you can't, like you'd be like taking a shower and she would just like open the curtain and be like, what do you want to eat today? And I'm like, can we have one conversation where I'm not naked? <laughs> like just one. Uh, that's all, that's all I want.
3: I thought that was just Mike. G- no.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, they have no boundaries. I mean,
3: no, they probably should, lived across the street from each other too.
1: Well, my, my known is the oldest of seven, like there's nine people in your house. There's no privacy, no. you know, she's not used to that. So one night my father comes over for dinner and, um, he's talking to me about, you know, my life and he's like, well, what do you want to do with your life? Because you're going to be a terrible teacher. <laughs> we all know
0: confidence the the confidence and i'm like
1: oh wow like you all know did you have a summit and discuss (laughs) this i mean that's great and um he's like well what do you want to do and i'm like i want to have a cooking show one day that's the greatest job in the world and he thought it was funny and then he looked at my nonna who was like cleaning up after dinner and he's like you know what we should call it cooking with nonna so my dad veto Create, like essentially created. created the brand that's a, awesome a week later He bought the web domain cooking com, and he sent me in, and he's like look at this and i was like great What are we gonna like what are we doing and a week after that? He actually built the island that I used to cook on if you see my if you look at my early um, YouTube videos, please don't look at it because I had purple <laughs> eyeshadow, but um he built this roll away island that would roll into our kitchen in new jersey and then roll into the the, the big room that when we weren't using it it had a stove on it you know it had lots of like storage underneath and he was so proud of this that i was like Shit, i guess yeah. we got to make a show now i was like when we had no idea what we were doing and mind you at this time you could not just like film something with your phone no like this i is had true. a i had this a razor unlike- a
2: razor, <laughs> yes. Remember of the razor
0: films. Yeah. <laughs> the this Vader one right? This is when like Emerald was at at his peak, right? Yeah, like, like they had full production bam, studios yeah. and like, right. food, food was getting exciting. But it was still a major production to put on.
1: I hired a production company. I hired the audio visual department of Seton Hall University wow. to shoot the first episodes, the first seasons. I, I mean, I, then I started finding Nonna, and you know, my mother's a big kiaran, so she would just call her friends up, and be like, you "Mean you, she talks a lot. Today. You want to yeah. be on a show? My mother's an actress, okay. like from Italy, and she does like film and TV here, and so she's a very big personality, and she was like head of casting. And every Sunday, I started filming episodes of Cooking Winona. And, you know, at first, I mean, they were disastrous. I mean, I look back and I, like, I cringe. But that's
2: how it's supposed to be. It yeah,
1: evolves. I mean, things evolve. and do um, well, no. You know, I did that for years, honestly, before anybody gave a crap about what I was doing. I mean, I was, I was very young. I was 22. Um, and and I, uh, oh, wait, I left out a really good part. This is a good story. You want the story? I do. Okay. I want it. So, I was planning to release these episodes. I had filmed a few of them. It was almost it was 2008 at this point when we were when I was like prepping everything. I was getting ready, and I went to a psychic in the West Village. That's Italians like,
2: aren't allowed to go to psychics. Yeah, they are. I don't know if you heard that. No, we are. I don't know. My Nona said no.
1: What? Uh, just saying. Just saying. Please, you know, she probably been to psychics before. Just I'm just saying. Fine.
0: So where in the village were This guy... You're on, on Bleecker Street? No, it was
1: on Grove Street. Okay. And Ray, he, he passed away now. But he was a very famous psychic. If you ask, if you have a friend who's into psychic, she's heard of this psychic. His okay. name was Raymond. and No last name. Raymond Perot. Just Raymond. No, he was very well known. And like everybody and their mother's been to Raymond. So I went to Raymond. I showed him my business card because now I had a logo and stuff. And he goes to me, in one year, you're going to be on the Food Network. And I was like... Get out of here. Come on, this fucking guy. Like give me my money back. Yeah. So um a few months go by and I was in a restaurant in Brooklyn. My father was so proud. We made like all this like we made these cards. You used to have to like make like physical cards sure. and stuff with like a recipe on it, with like a picture of me with a focaccia, like, you know. Uh we were really selling it. And he put one on all the plates, plate settings at the restaurant and a week later we got an email from one of the people that saw my card and said the food network is casting for this show called 24-hour restaurant battle they want mothers and daughters or grandmothers and granddaughters so i call up this casting director and i'm like i got both they're both crazy you don't love them like and we went in for a taped uh, audition and stuff and my my mother and my grandmother started fighting about of something course. they loved us they actually cast us on the show and they had the other team find somebody else so that they could make a team, one episode with teams of three because every other episode was was teams of two. two. So I had 24 hours to um, conceive an Italian restaurant, build it out, shop for all the food, um, prep, cook, and serve two seatings of 50 people in 24 hours.
0: Now, have you ever done anything to that scale? no. Regular Sunday did as what twenty people,
1: right? So, yeah, 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 twenty. But so. this was like it—it it wasn't actually possible. I mean, right. and then at the end, whoever wins, there's three judges, and they both eat it at the re- and Whoever wins win, wins ten thousand dollars in seed money to like start their own restaurant, which is funny. Well, um,
2: but so, back then, it wasn't. That's ten grand. Ten grand. Uh,
1: you bought the sign for ten grand. Well. But, like, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. How's the restaurant? We did this. We did this show. And I took it so seriously. I made a menu that was a total disaster. It was not executable. Um, they gave me a, a sous chef, but then it was like their first season of the show, so I don't think the producers knew what they were doing at the time. And they were like, here's your sous chef. You're not allowed to talk to him. And I was like, what do you mean? And like, He's not mic'd. You can't talk to him. And I was like, How, what am I supposed to do? Sign language? What do you want me to do? Write him notes? Like, I can't. So that was a disaster. I knew I was like, I'd screwed it all up. The day that we were supposed to like do the service, because they would stop the clock, you know, for us to go to sleep, you know, they, I mean, that's right. nice of them. Yeah, that was nice. Then you know, they do a wake a, a good night shot. You put your pajamas on. They want to see you close the lights. Right. They want to see you turn them on. Need everything. We were totally sleep deprived. I don't think we we ate at all. I was I was losing my mind. And the day of the service, I was like holding a big coffee like this. And the guy on the other team, like they were nice people. They were like, Oh, are you excited, bro?" And I was like, and they're like, "Hey." You look all funny. And I was like, uh. I passed out. On the spot. Passed out, coffee's everywhere. The ambulance comes. Are there um,
0: bloopers of this?
2: No. Anywhere? I Come think on. they were, There's no archive they of were this recording
1: anywhere? sounds, but they were not <sighs> recording video yet. You know what we've so done
2: with that footage? I'm in the idea? back
1: of an ambulance, and this guy who works for Food Network is screaming at me. You a grown ass woman. You better get your shit together. Otherwise, we gonna take you to the hospital. We're gonna you gonna get a psychiatric evaluation. I was having a panic attack. This does not make me calm down. <laughs> so they took me to the hospital. They found out I was severely dehydrated, like severe, like I was gonna die. So I bet you anything, those producers called corporate. and they're like, "Can she sue?" Yes, okay. Like yeah. so, they were like, "Don't worry, we're gonna pause and." we're going to take two weeks and then in two weeks he would come back and we're going to finish the show. It's going to be great. In retrospect, should I have been worried? Because it's really a very bad episode if the if the team with the 80-year-old Nona loses, right? <laughs> it's it's not good TV it, that Nona loses. Like, right. does all this worse slave labor for two days <laughs> And then, like, you know, she loses. Like, right. that's a terrible show. I was going to win. Um... And I did win.
3: <laughs> there you go. There you go.
1: All that for nothing. Did
3: you start the restaurant with $10,000? What'd you do yeah. with the $10,000? Oh, God. <laughs> she went back to
0: the psychic. Yeah.
1: I, <laughs> I definitely, no. Oh, you know what I did she with did. part Look, of it? She I did. bought my first pair of Louboutins. I'm not going to lie. There nice. You go. That's I, a, definitely an
0: investment
2: Whoa. in the restaurant. Wait, You earned Investing,
3: that. Down. I could
1: have lied. A, I could have lied about that. I did. I bought my first pair That's of Louboutins. That's an investment, though. I still That's have You're
3: one. over here. You earned it. How much did you give to your Nona and your mom?
1: Oh, I gave Nona. I gave no, but like, I gave no but no he has Nona, here's a meal for it. the day. But what do you think? Nona gave, gave it back to me, because she gave me like $100 on my oh. birthday, you know, so ever since then, so I got it I mean, all back anyway. It all comes back. Yeah, you know, like, of course <laughs> I gave it. It's like, here you go. Yeah.
0: Let's talk a little bit about her. Let's, where Where are you guys from?
1: So um, wait, just to redirect, the psychic was right. A year later, exactly one year later, the episode aired on the Food Network.
0: Okay, we got to search so. it up. Was year, it was a year, like a year to the date. How was it called?
1: Pretty much, because it was June 2008, and it and it uh, went on the air July 2009. So he was right.
2: In fairness, he didn't say it was going to be completely successful. He just said you'd be on
1: the he show. He didn't say Please. I was going to like right. have my own show. Right. He right. didn't say he oh, right. Like you know, he, like you're, you're the next Jada. Like you know, it's, he said you're going to be on there. I was to right.
0: Guys right.
1: It Was worth a 100 bucks. That was it. But That's you want, it. I can invest 100 hey, for 10 hell? grand. Yeah. yeah. Listen.
0: Every day Things happen for a reason, right? Every so, day.
1: after we, like we started doing episodes of Cooking with Nona and, you know, nobody really, you know, the producers didn't exactly come knocking for me. I went to a bunch of meetings with different uh agents, managers, uh, everyone's a producer, you know. I was pitched a lot of times, but the feedback that I was getting in the in the very beginning was that, like, you know, nobody wants to watch the Marissa Tome cooking show, and so what you know, because so,
0: are they crazy? Like, I, well, like I said,
1: nobody looked like me at the time on Food Network. Nobody talked like me. Nobody had my cr- lack of credentials. So uh, you know, then I that started the process of me kind of hiding who I really was. For, for in my work, and I learned how to talk like this. Put on your boardroom voice. Where is it? Yeah, it's right here. Oh, so, that's good. you know, okay, guys, so we're gonna like cut the, we're gonna like just roll out this pasta right here. And I wear like sweaters. Your like.
2: lips give it away though, because your, your lips are too. See, you, yeah, when you talk regularly, your lips are moving. When you talk in your boardroom voice, they don't move. They
1: don't move? I had a
2: boardroom voice too when I was in Manhattan. <laughs> like that's a ventriloquist, yeah. they, don't they don't move. Not <laughs> as much.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's just a smile. Yeah. But then one day I was just like, I don't care anymore. I'm just gonna like sound how I sound. Did that's you ever, what worked.
3: Did you ever watch King of Queens? <laughs> did you see the episode where she had to get rid of her Italian accent? Oh my
1: god, I didn't. There's,
3: yeah, she was working at the law firm and she didn't get the promotion, and they said it's because how you talk. She's like, how I talk. And, yeah. they, and then she has to learn how to good you should watch it. And well, then at the end she's like screw it.
1: I mean, I had a background in in acting already, so like I, I understood what they were saying. I thought they were wrong. They were wrong. But I, you know, we we do we do things to and we throw stuff at walls and we see if it works and, you know, I, but eventually it gets hard. You got to be yourself. Absolutely. And in 2016, um I wrote, I, I got offered my first book. I wasn't allowed to do it because I was locked up in a production company, in a deal with a production company that didn't want me to do it. I won't say who that was. Um, we hate them anyway, don't worry. Right. No, they suck. Um, but they were like, no, you can't do the book. It's a mistake. It's not a good publisher. You're going to regret it. And the way my book came about was really funny because I, uh, my editor, my first editor, my first publisher reached out to me on Facebook. And she was like, "Do you want to write a book?" I thought you had a book, and I was like, "I felt like the model that got discovered at McDonald's, for that moment." I can't even tell. I was like, "Did did I just get a book deal on Facebook? Did did that just happen?" And eventually, my contract ran out. I got to do the book. It was actually one of the like for someone who was like not on TV. We sold almost fifty thousand copies of the first Sunday Cookie Went On a Cookbook.
2: Now wait, hold up. Now Mike Mike is also a best-selling author. So how many? How many? Books did
3: you sell on your Amazon I don't know. bestseller? I'm an Amazon bestseller. I I have a publisher that did all that. I was a co-author, one of twelve.
1: Oh, okay. So Why are you wow. congratulations. Why are you putting
3: to, yourself down? I was trying. To but bring, I do have three. And to my you. fourth will be released uh, the, in July. See, that was you know, dragon. you come real to Staten island, it's, it's always a contrast. It's All a right, dragon.
1: I only have three. I'm sorry. To be let fair, let me let me I was leave in with New my crappy cookbooks. Just
3: saying. To be fair, you were not in the New York. Were you? Of course I was. I, I, would I like don't to see reveal that. things. I'll show it to you. It's all right. Like it doesn't to matter. See that. Now
1: you're the only person on Staten Island who doesn't brag.
3: Oh no, I brag. I brag more than everybody. Uh, I'm the best guy in this room right now. What are you talking about? <laughs> that's true. But now the real question: Did they have you do the audio book?
1: They didn't. Ah. You know. Oh, my gosh. Should I be offended? Yeah, I
3: would be offended. Or should you go back and do something new?
1: What a travesty. Well,
0: who did, is there an audio version?
1: There isn't. You know, and there kind of should be because the thing about my books that are different than regular cookbooks is that they're not just recipes. For my first book, I profiled, I think it was 24 different grandmothers. Okay. And I would go to their house. I would spend the whole day with them. Um, I would cook with them. We would test the recipes together because like nonnas measure everything in like espresso cups. Right. And uh, and then I would sit down with them and I would have my little recorder and I would just say, like, tell me about your life. And they would tell me their story from, you know, if they were immigrants, they would tell me how they came to America and stuff. And I think that's that's what meant so much to them that somebody just took an interest in it because they give so much to people. But nobody ever asked them about them. And I just thought that they were like these ordinary women who live such extraordinary lives.
0: Two thousand sixteen, that was a time where like food was super popular, right? It was it was one of the hottest topics out. That's when there. Gordon
2: Ramsay became Superman.
0: But you had like yeah, Rocco, like Rocco the Spirito. I love yeah, Rocco. All those guys coming out with, with massive cookbooks at right. that time and just putting tons of food content out there. So how did you stand out like how did you
1: I think it was the nonna angle and I think it was that, you know, I had twenty four ladies who was so fiercely proud of this project and um by then, we had actually built a very big platform on Facebook. So Facebook is arguably my biggest platform. We have over 700,000 followers today. Um, and they are all organic. Like, they, they're not fake. You know, I can I can tell on somebody. I can spot a Fugazi following. Yes, sure. Like, from a mile away. So um, I'm really grateful for all the people that we have on Facebook. But at the time, I think when the first book came out, maybe we had around 50, 60. We had a very large, impressive number on Facebook. Instagram, I was still pretty small. But um, it just got, everybody was so excited for the first book to come out. Everybody that had been following me, you know, for how many years at that point. It was such a a, a cool story, too. And it was like, the, people really did understand that we were always a family business. Like, everywhere I went for those years, I went with my father, who became like my dadager. Shout out to Vito kim kardashian got a momager i got a dad a jenny Vito. <laughs> there you go you know and uh and i think people really knew and understood me as sorry as as like a very authentic person as like a, a real italian girl from a real italian family and i was just like them you know i make people very comfortable yeah so
0: you do but how did you
2: how'd you go from book to merch to now you sell i mean talk about that so you were an influencer you were doing cooking you took Nona, you threw cameras in her face, which we spoke about earlier, which I want you to touch on. But so now you got the vlog, you got this following, you have the Instagram. What was what was the catalyst that you said, hey, we could do a cookbook, and then, hey, I can do clothing, and hey, I can do merch. And-
1: so I can't remember now what came first. What, had we already – my first product ever was the Nona knife.
2: The Nona knife. The
1: Nona knife. Makes sense. Right, so if you're from an Italian-American family, every family has these knives, these crappy knives with like a plastic handle, Terrible. all different colors. No, they're not, ta- they're, they're in my they, house, I hate them. They are sharp for, the, for 30 years. <laughs> Name a better, pro- like, Longer lasting products. I'm a knife
2: guy. I'm not going to name names, but I have a nice collection of knives. I like to cook, so yeah, uh,
1: yeah, 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 yeah. You like it's not it's not a quality knife by any means. It's a pressed steel knife. It's not a forged steel knife, so it's very flexible and bendy. This is the one knife my nonna has used to do everything: to clean vegetables, to make pasta, to and so, she cuts like this. Yeah, yeah. In term, right. Into I, cut like, fist, I yeah. cut like that too, and um, you know, you get them like six. You, keep, you have to six for two euros at the market in Italy. They're very cheap so we started importing them and people loved them and we we kept them very inexpensive we did the packaging with like me and nonna on it and stuff and And you still buy them yeah we still sell them to to this day we have knives and forks and we have forks and spoons that go with the set now we have polka dot ones we have different colors um so i i can't remember if at the time we were selling i think we were already selling knives then i did a cheese grater so if you have seen on my Instagram, my nonna likes to use this cheese grater. She sings. She's very cute. And it's this, like, bowl with the grater on top. And that was my job when I was a kid was grating into that. And people fell in love with this friggin' cheese grater. And every it became like, I need that, I need that, I need that. So it was uh, me doing merch was almost accidental because it was me, like, showcasing these things that I grew up with. And seeing that the demand was there, so I'm very crafty when I when I release a new product. Now I always try and like tease it or wear it or utilize it first, and to see if someone notices. And somebody like always it. and like I'm I I I'm not great at a lot of things honestly, but I am great at picking winners when it comes to products. And I'll tell you a little bit more about that. So um, we were selling my first book, then we started selling knives, cheese graters then we were like let's make a couple of t-shirts you know some something cute because i never felt like italian americans were adequately represented from an apparel standpoint you know you can find things in, in, with in a lot of different languages Caricchis,
2: like you were talking about before
1: but that was a long time ago I'm just
2: kidding. dan was broke job before so
1: so i wanted to make something that said bella or amora or something cute you know even for little kids yeah. because you know come on who's more extra than italian americans when it comes to dressing our kids up and
2: stuff my wife god love her
1: sure you know so I, i started to like develop a style also for myself i wear a lot of animal prints as you guys see um you know and and you kind of discover how many people are out there that share your aesthetic and want to dress like you and buy and use the things that you use so I kind of just went, went along with, um, w- with what I saw people liked. There was a moment, a very pivotal moment in my online shop where I had gone from selling on the Cooking Winona website where all my recipes were to when I opened my Shopify website, BottegaDellaNona.com. And that, my friends, was in 2019. I went to Italy, it ended up being my last culinary tour and i was in capre and i gave my group you know free time and i went on a walk by myself and i saw this bracelet in the way win- i can't believe i'm not wearing it oh my god um i saw this bracelet in the window with a cornicello on it with the horn the yeah. italian horn it was just simple and cute and i loved it and i went inside i bought one from the guy it was like 20 euros And um, I told him, I was like, you gotta give me a penny back. And he goes, why? And I'm like, because my nonna told me that when you buy one of these things for yourself, you can't pay for the whole thing. It's like when you buy knives. So you gotta give me a penny back. And he laughed at me and he gave me my penny back. And I went to the piazza and I got like a spritz and I like put the bracelet on and I like, you know, took a picture and I posted it on the gram. And I actually wrote something like meaningful. Nobody gave a crap. Everybody was like, I will sell my kidney for that bracelet.
2: So, you told the guy, I need 20,000 of these tomorrow. No,
1: I went home. I mean, I went home and didn't think, and I went to my father. I was like, Dad, people want this bracelet. It's like, get out of here. You know, an Italian dad always has to like tell you your idea is yep. horrible before he accepts that it's good. Now he trusts me a little more. And I'm like, No, no, no. I'm telling you, this bracelet is, people want it, like a lot of people. And he's like, eh, What are we going to do? We're going to sell jewelry. It's not a thing. I'm like, oh you got to listen to me, okay? I know I'm right about this. So I didn't even remember where I got the bracelet. I didn't save my receipt. And a girl was like, listen, if you draw me a map of where you got the bracelet, I'll send you the guy's business card. My sister's in Kavri right now. So I drew this girl a map. I got the guy's info. We, I said, give me 200 bracelets. We sold all of them in two hours.
2: Nice. That's crazy. That's and
1: awesome. I, I mean... We, we I, I can't even tell you how much we grossed in just two hours. And that started, like, the entire jewelry line. Um, it really jump-started uh, more apparel, more, um, more housewares. I got involved with, with a ceramic uh, maker in Positano. Um, I started selling food at one point. At, I mean, I, I can't even remember the year I started selling food, but we had our own pasta within a matter of, like, months. It just... When we saw the demand, you know, for it, we just went all in.
3: That's great. So take it back. You you make them give you a penny. Do you give everyone that buys one a penny?
1: Absolutely. friggin lutely Do you? I do. It comes in a little bag. Okay. And we staple it. And if they don't get the penny, God forbid. You know how many Joanns and Teresa's have called? and say i don't see the penny in this box you know and they freak out because it really means something to them like you know our culture our it's a superstition of our culture and while we are like mostly italians are catholic you know it is the argument of the sacred and the profane so i know priests that believe in the Malocchio. yeah i know priests that go to psychics yeah you know we're very we there's a duality about the culture
3: so and you wanna act like Mr. Italian. You're from Staten Island. Ahead. Go ahead. You're Irish. I get Bensinghurst. I love Bensinghurst. I miss like I remember being a younger kid and my grandmother was on like Wollaston Court, 17th, and going to like Mother Sabarrow. Mm-hmm. Like the original oh, yeah, Sabaro. Like this isn't Sabarro's like you think of in the it's mall. It's not like a
1: mall food court. No, that was the the it, flagship
3: like okay. this like the dog I'm had a dog. Like salads. No and sneeze guards. It's, and... No, it, it, it's it's a pork store. Oh, but, right. but Mother Sabara would sit at the desk or and, and serve you. The dog had a diamond necklace that was probably sixty thousand dollars. <laughs> and you would sit there and you're like, I want my chicken palm here, and she'd be giving you bejut balls, rice balls. Like you're you're standing there. Oh, have this while you wait. Like the best.
1: Bensonhurst and in that time and I like I like to I was born in nineteen eighty seven, so I like to think that I was I lived in Bensonhurst at the tail end of the golden age of yeah. it
3: the 18th avenue feast was still good back then.
1: yeah but and when it was when the neighborhood was i mean i miss bensonhurst too because it's quite different now but th- there was no warmer place no than bensonhurst brooklyn at that time it was safe you know if you were telling why was um, it safe i'm just saying it, it was protected no it. no no not in that way it, it was safe in the sense that like no. your kids played in the street sure. freely um, people were sitting outside yeah. on the stoops in, in lawn chairs. Or
3: hanging out. My grandmother my, would hang out the window Every, from the yeah. second yeah. and scream, and they right. would literally have conversations when the across street street the courts. the they would yell. They would start That's to come dinner. Yeah. But everybody
1: but, looked out for you. Oh, yeah. yeah.
3: I used to be able to go there, and I, would, I was probably 11 years old. With my eight-year-old brother and we would walk avenues go get 18th avenue and head down you know streets and streets well, what to was going to happen see nothing back right, then but now I, w- my, I wouldn't let my six-year-old walk up the block alone right, like true. it's totally it's different but you no know, it was amazing back then maple lanes everyone was bowling yeah that's where it worked it was uh, a wow. it was
1: a real community well,
3: that, right? bowling alley bowling so, alley right what that's are those now it's a, uh, now it's knocked down. It's not even there anymore. But e- everyone was in in You were at Sparrow's, you were at Da Vinci's.
1: You were at the Cotillion Terrace for yeah. every wedding, oh, you know? That was
3: a nice place. I used so, to go with, go ahead.
0: I was just going to say, you're talking about community. The cornerstone of the community is Nona, right? Yeah. And, and tell us about her. I want to hear her story.
3: It Oof. was her 90th birthday. So happy Yesterday, birthday.
1: Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. She, you know, we're lucky to have her at all because like I said, she had some health issues back in October. Um, she, she actually, she had a massive stroke. She had two brain surgeries in 48 hours. They really were telling us to be prepared for the worst. It, you know, I don't know how many times in that, in that, you know, blur of being in the hospital did I feel like I was saying goodbye to her for the and, last time, and she made it because she's a miracle. I don't know. So I'm so glad that she's still with us. Um, she's not what she used to be. I mean, she's 90 years old. Like
2: I mean, <laughs> Even without surgeries, 90 is 90. I'm, I'm, 90s I'm not the same right. as I was five years
1: ago. I can't imagine being 90. Um, but she is just a very special human being. I think everybody sees someone that they love in my grandmother. She is just one of those unique human beings that um you just look at her and you have this warm feeling whenever you're in her presence she's adorable she's just she has how a, tall is she, she oh she's five one maybe? Uh, there you go perfect but, but you know, they shrink but i mean yeah, right. no she five was one. like oh i mean she was never uh she was never heidi klum but um <laughs>
0: but, no these photos in this in this cookbook she's she looks at you with such love yeah i mean you could see it it you feel it when you're looking through. The- well, you they either,
1: won- when you're Italian-American, you either grew up with like a savage nonna who like threw a shoe at you <laughs> or like, yeah, no. I had the sweetest little nonna. And I mean, she had a really difficult life. She um, she immigrated to Venezuela uh, with her husband who was already there. From where? From, from Italy. And because it, I actually dedicated this entire book to her because when I was putting Sunday dinners together that my publisher wanted the model of the first two books, which was multiple nona, multiple stories. And since it was COVID, I was like, oh my God, what am I going to do? I can't go like visit these ladies. It's not a good time to visit the elderly. So I called up Adriana Trujani, who lovingly wrote my foreword. And I was like, I can't visit the nonas. And she goes, then you got to write about the one nona you can visit. And I was like, damn.
2: The only one yeah. that matters.
1: Right, so I not the only one that matters, but well, you know, to us for
2: this conversation, she's the
1: Beyonce of right. the project. That's it. She's the one. <laughs> so I decided to write her life story in a series of chapters that go along with the book, and I mean, the book starts with her on the pier in Venezuela waiting for my grandfather, and could you imagine that this guy just writes you? Well, I mean, he's your husband, sure. But, like, you haven't seen him in years. Like, he really just comes to Italy to get you pregnant and then goes back. And then you know once in a while he writes you a letter. Could you imagine this guy just wrote you a letter and like, yeah, Romana, get on a boat and I'll see you in two weeks, you know? It'll all work out. It was with an these, actual boat back then. These, oh, yeah, it was a real boat. Yeah, with these two little kids, just get on the boat. It'll be fun. And, like, I thought about her standing there at the pier waiting for him. And me and it's like a hundred degrees there and maybe like she hasn't heard from him in two weeks like, could you imagine? and it's
2: hours. But it's, it's but not he, like it's not like he shot a text like yeah. I'll, I'll be at the dock no, in he like sent 20 the pig minutes the
3: carrier pigeon right. flew across it's, it's like, like you know
1: could you there must have been a moment where she was like is he here <laughs> <laughs>
3: It was a romantic time. And when you think about Look, it, too, you're not going to the US. Like you're not going to go la- like the land of promise. No, you're going to Venezuela. Sure. You're you leaving Italy, language, Italy yes. to go to Venezuela.
1: And and actually and my grandmother couldn't find him at first. My mother was nine months old, and she had only seen pictures of her father. And she goes, There, there he is. Really? Yeah. So she starts in Venezuela. They my grandfather wasn't well. Um, he had a stomach ulcer that he said, yeah, because you're not here cooking for me. I have a stomach but ulcer, you know. Say. So he imported her to, like, cook, cook him back to health. It didn't work. They went back to Italy. Unfortunately, he passed away. She was 29. Wow. And um, she decided to go to America with where a lot of her siblings were. She's the oldest of seven. And everybody was starting to immigrate to Carroll Gardens. That was everyone from Mola di started in Carroll Gardens. Then they spread out to Bensonhurst, then Staten Island, then the biggest, Jersey. biggest, smallest little
2: town in the Then Florida. Right.
1: Yes, then Florida. Then you die, you know. <laughs> and then either you go back to Italy or you die in Florida. I don't know. So, um, yeah, she... Uh, on her own. Uh, on her own? Actually, no. Her trip to America, she brought my Uncle Joey with her because he was 10. He could work after school. And she had to go to work. So she left my mother in Italy for... Oh, 18 years? So for her to be able to
2: see you live the American dream has to be something that is indescribable to her, right? I mean, she could probably say to you what it means, but from a boat in Venezuela waiting to now being a part of what you've created with her that is now a brand, that is now a following, that is now um, influencer, right? Like people look to you and to her and that must be an incredible feeling to know that she's done it, and also that you've been a part of that.
1: You know, I I wish she still had the the cognitive ability to really understand. But even when she did, even when she just never got it, she and it never mattered to her. Like she you... never gave herself airs about anything. Absolutely she not. She just wanted to
2: spend time with you. But... She
1: really, yeah. She would do. She did it for me. Right. That generation of people like and that and that's the love of a grandparent and how it's different than the love of a parent like she would do anything for me i, I dragged it through that reality show i you know i <laughs> she you think she wanted to do that no she did it for me but, and for your grandchildren you will do anything
0: that's what i've heard so my kids Nona, i've right. heard her say many times like i love my kids i'm in love with your children right yeah, because yeah.
1: they get
3: to the say goodbye to them. They right. they leave. They're not their problem. They leave. Um, now, but when you were out a restaurant, did people come over? No, i to want to take photos All with her. All the time. They still do. And does she like, did she love it or was she like, why they take my photo?
1: You know, she still kind of understands that. That she's famous. <laughs>
2: she's famous she because less than
1: it happens, and she will post. She doesn't. She, oh yeah. Okay. Like I, I think that's like a weird muscle memory for her. Like oh wait, I'm famous. Okay. Yeah. Like <laughs> <laughs> of course. But um, she she was always rooting for me and stuff, and always wanted me to succeed. You know, you talk about marketing. She used to stand on the corner of West Sixth Street where we lived. And have these cards, my cooking with Nona cards, years and years and years ago. And people used to pass by, like, and she would be like, "Do you have a computer?" And <laughs> if they said yes, she would give them one of the cards and be like, "Go look a cook with Nona. That's me." And
2: <laughs> Who says yes. no to that? Who could say no? Like,
1: to Like, right? She could sell sand to, she could sell ice cubes to Eskimos. Yeah. I mean, for one hundred, all the little. Ads we do for like the the products, it's like for 100 million dollars. I could not find the better spokesperson, <laughs> the micro not not in any other bad way. It's just she's the most amazing uh, human that can like really capture someone. I mean, you it, it, if you met my nona, you'd melt, you'd give her all the money you have. You just, <laughs> I
0: already want to, that's right. We'll then take it all. That's it. This, this book is. It's gorgeous. Thank it's a, you. Like this is a piece of artwork. If you get a chance nice. to actually take a look at this cookbook, like the the photography, the layouts, mm-hmm. but just the personalization that you gave this, the the china, right? The glassware, the the tables, everything is so it's it's beautifully put together. But it's like again, it's another thing that like leads back to the romance of what food is, what cooking is, what this family is, what, what your grandmother is. It's it's incredible.
1: I wanted, I so I got to art direct this cookbook, um, which is kind of a big deal because my first two books, I wasn't allowed to do that. We had to hire externally. And um, I always fought for that. I mean, as an author, as someone who never even thought they would go to college, never imagined in a million years that they would write cookbooks or any books at all, um, to be trusted by the people at Harper Horizon to uh, to to just be on my own with this project was tremendous for me. And I take these things so seriously that I I am so particular about all the crumbs and like look we put the cheese in an espresso cup and I wanted every single photograph to feel like you're eating at your grandmother's house. It resonates. It, and all these little things that like, I used to fight with like the art directors and they're like, we don't need this, there's too many props, this is like, you know, this is just so jarring, I, no one's gonna get it. And I was like, no, someone is gonna see that spoon and they're gonna had the same spoon or they're gonna see the piece of a tablecloth and be like, you know, I was like, I know my audience, I know my readers and I know what moves them and the thing that like, you know, you have no idea what that like coffee cup is gonna mean to someone.
2: My favorite placement is on the cover with the Rufino bottle. Yeah. That's I mean my absolute that's my absolute favorite. Wait,
1: so I know
2: it's a real deal when I see that. On there.
1: So this I have I have like some BTS of like this part of the shoot. So this is when we shot the cover, the day we shot the cover. This set was built in a studio in Brooklyn. I wanted it to look like an Italian grandmother's house. Um these are both paintings that my mother made. This my nonna when she was young. And like the just the family that I've been blessed with is so talented in so many ways. They're insane. The craziest people you ever met. But my mother's an artist, so she was hand painting this lampshade. My father's hanging these with fish wire. Great. Fishing wire. Um we just set this up to we got all the saints you know i wanted this to feel as um organic as possible in the most inorganic place ever like some hipster studio you're
3: missing the plastic on the couch
1: you know if i had the time to give me a break okay
3: (laughs) she got the slippers though
1: yeah
2: which meal means the most to you or do you have one
1: so okay so in this book, let's find it. Let's find it. Let's find it.
2: Because there's gotta be something that you as a child, it, it just when you smelled it, it evoked emotion. Or when you walked in and Nona was cooking it, you just you smiled.
1: What are these, sir? Where are we? What does this look like to you?
2: it Okay. Spaghettios.
1: Spaghettios, right? So do you think for one second that I was allowed to eat spaghettios growing up? No. Nothing no. in a can. No. Yeah, that's why
3: he didn't even know who it was. I so, didn't. I was looking. I'm like,
1: do you <laughs> I know knew. what what abuse I suffered if I dared pick up that can in the supermarket?
3: And and be honest, it's good. Come on, it's not bad. Come on, you know every once in a while. When you grow have up, Have you had it. Don't when say when it. When you
1: grow I, up, first, yeah, I, I'm not a food snob, honestly. I, I like to eat a lot of different stuff. Um, I like some ramen noodles.
2: That's I agree. Listen, he won't eat street. I meat. love ramen noodles. In in, in college, eating ramen noodles, but you're not eating pasta out of cans. No, it's but it,
1: it wasn't the point of like, <laughs> yeah, delicious. of course it's not. Go- but like, when you're little and you're first generation Italian American and you're not allowed, I I wasn't allowed to have a microwave. I had to go to Enzo Cristino's house five blocks away to use a microwave. And I was obsessed with that stuff. I want the kids cuisine microwave, are you kidding me?
3: The I, brownie was great. I would great. have
1: sold my soul for that brownie. <laughs> oh,
3: do they I never still had have them. it? I I
0: never, I never okay. had a, now I, I want kid cuisine, good
3: for, no. like, good for you. The TV dingers, they would have like the cherry cobbler, Hungry the man? brownie. Oh. Oh. It was still, the best part was the dessert. What would you feed a hungry man? It
1: was amazing. See,
3: because Italians think that if you
2: love your family, you cook for them. You don't give yeah, them Yeah, they frozen. would cook for me.
1: But like I wanted. 30 seconds <laughs> no, later. No, it was, but it wasn't about that. It was about that I grew up in such a way where I never felt like I belonged in, I had two, uh, one foot in each country because we spent three months a year in Italy since I was little. And you never really felt like you belonged anywhere. I always felt too Italian for Americans and too American for Italians and you know till i was five i didn't know english because all my friends were italian too like children of immigrants so i didn't know i was in america and i wanted to like eat this stuff and experience this stuff so that i could go to school and have something to say to jennifer smith (laughs) okay could you imagine like i'm sitting there at lunch with my oily bag with the tuna sandwich The, the, oh, come on. You, you know the tuna I sandwich. Oh, you kills. were in
3: Brooklyn. Be honest. It was Jennifer Weisberg.
1: <laughs> we, we, we were not friends, okay? We were not friends. With my oily bag with the tuna salad that, that covered your, your apple and your, your can of fresca.
3: <laughs> the, uh, it was a disaster on the brown well, bag. But <laughs> I, I, I'm half Jewish, half Italian. My grandparents lived across the street from each other, Walston Court, 66th Street. Literally the houses looked at each other. So I go we called my grandmother grandmother. She wasn't an owner, even my my Italian one. We would go there, eat Sunday dinner, delicious. Then you go to my Jewish grandma, she'll make you pasta with ketchup. Oh. And I'm like, Grandma, what's that? She's like, No, no, this Ugh. is pasta. I'm like, oh no, no. I'm like, I'll go so I would visit my pasta. I would visit my Jewish grandmother. I would never eat there. I would be like I'm gonna go visit, you know, Rosebud across the street. <laughs> I would go across the street. She's like, "Why? Well, I'm just gonna go say hi, go eat, you know, chicken cutlets and come back. You're hungry? No, I'm not hungry. No, She's no. like, How are you not hungry? Even but, desserts, though. No so you could be like me. You had, I was eating, I would be try they've tried to force me, or brisket with ketchup. Everything had ketchup.
1: Ketchup? <sighs> we weren't allowed to have ketchup. My
3: ketchup's delicious.
1: I'd I ketchup. do.
3: I'm not going spaghetti. Relax. No, no. The
1: American condiments, my parents were not not down.
3: Okay. Now, you're not a food snob. No. Meatballs hero from Subway. Yes or no?
1: I mean, I'd eat it.
3: Have you eaten it before?
1: I, no, I've never eaten it. See, actually, I had I the same it. answer. I had the same it's answer.
3: It's pretty good. You yelled at me when I said that. It's like, it's, it reminds me of like school meatballs. They're not good, but they bring me back to the, school. There's
1: a, there is such a thing as bad good. Yes you know 100% there's a taste like white castle yeah like there's a, That's there's, delicious no, taco bell good. <laughs> an artificial taste that is undeniably delicious taco at bello. times i eat
0: taco bell all but day. the thing about taco the bello.
1: the spaghettios that's so special to me is that like after like, begging my nonna for so long she finally gave in and she was like i'm going to reverse engineer this <laughs> I'm gonna figure this out. Do
3: they have the small meatballs make- yes. too? Oh, yeah. yeah, and it she even said with tiny meatballs. She rolled oh, out
1: hundreds of tiny meatballs <laughs> for my spoiled ass. Like you know, she she really it was a labor of love. I'd rather her. have
3: yours than the spaghettios, but yes,
1: of course. But it was a way to like. Bring the two cultures together.
3: Do you have a beef ravioli because I love beef ravioli. Is that in there as well? passed the in ragu. This
1: one? I, I, in my holiday book, I have a really good ravioli recipe. From the beef North
3: ravioli, like just like, you the, have the, like an the chef boy ravioli D. in there.
1: No, they're not the chef, boy chef style, you style. Know, but um, this is actually amazing. This looks fantastic. Short rib ragu.
3: Uh-huh. I right, Can we please close the book? Yes, I've got really sorry. hungry. <laughs> and can I, compliment?
0: I want to compliment the wallpaper. <laughs> this is all of this is fantastic, man. It's how it should be. I know so is always... the
2: next iteration, or what, what's the next year hold? So, you gave us the backstory. What do you think year 20, the rest of 23, 24?
1: I mean, uh, I'm just really committed to expanding my private label line um, next year. I mean, we're kind of shooting for the stars at this point. Like, we want to have our own panettone. I want to have my own pastina after pastina palooza just yeah, You need that. Um, yeah, I mean, it's all about also from a marketing perspective, it was so crazy that, you know, I, I, I'm a little neurotic sometimes in the sense that like, uh, I'm like, oh, nothing works out for me. I'm unlucky sometimes, but we were already selling the pastina box on our website, like a pastina kit. Yeah with several different cuts of pastina. So if, you, if you're if you one of those people who thinks that only those Ranzoni tiny stars are pastina, pastina is a genre of pasta. It is literally, the, the word means the diminutive of pasta. Oh, I didn't know that. It's So, yeah, so tiny. tiny yes, yeah, it just means any tiny pasta. So don't come for me and say, your box doesn't have any actual pastina and it. It absolutely does. So we would sell a few different cuts like the acini di pepe, the orzo, the stars. <laughs> Um, and we would sell like the broth cubes. We have a spoon that says "My Pastina" spoon. And when Pastina Palooza hit, when Ronzoni announced that it was they big were news. no longer making Pastina, we saw. I mean, I gotta, I gotta send them a present. My son <laughs> cried. My <laughs> son was, cried. Yeah, it's a. It's, what are you gonna do? Oh, Pastina is one of the most like. You comfort food defined. Yeah, you know? I mean, you don't. Is there anything more iconic for Italian Americans than pastina?
3: Well, that was the best part of my kids growing up, and when they went starting to eat food, I was like, "Is there extra pastina with butter? Right. Like, yeah. but is that the only way you eat it? No one puts sauce on it, right? It's always bugger. I not make not it.
1: A, I make a tomato broth, and it's delicious. Put it in soup. That right? sounds good I too.
3: I always have, like, just the butter. Yeah, sure. bought it, but I because got it. Some-
1: Pascina is the way, like, Italian-Americans heal from something, whether it's, a, a like, an ailment or a <laughs> broken put heart.
0: A, put it in the wound.
1: And it's also <laughs> yeah. the way we, like, detox. Yeah. Because, like, we go out to eat. We have a big dinner. It's like, ah, oh, tomorrow, Pascina. Windex for the Greeks. Yes. <laughs> yeah.
0: Similar, very similar. What's the best place for people to, to go and find your products?
1: Uh, all of our products are at BottegaDellaNona.com. And, you know, it's we're still a small family business. God bless my father. He runs our, um, our warehouse um, located in Diker Heights. And, you know, everything gets processed there. Uh, it's really a personal experience when you shop with us because I personally design everything. All our merch designed by me, um, all our products are, uh, are, per- are selected pretty carefully. I really want to give people things that they're either looking for from, you know, their childhood or things that I think are really useful.
3: How big is your staff now?
1: Oh, um, I think we have about when it's like a full time, like Christmas season, uh, it goes up to about eight to ten people.
3: But crazy to think, right? All from an idea of you should cook with Nonga.
1: Yes. That
3: it's- you have employees, a business.
1: And I mean, and also from a creator standpoint, a, a content creation standpoint. um I mean, I was one of the, I guess I was one of the 1st nonna non-content creators and now look how many there are, yeah, now you they're, know, they're I, all over the place. I, I had this, I, I knew back then that like they have something special and all the nonnas are amazing. I love like, how big nonna Pia is and how, uh, everybody that cooks with their nonna. I, I'm just glad people are doing it because it's one of the most important things that you can do if you grew up the way. I did, we did, um, and it's the o- one of the only ways that's gonna ensure that the traditions never die.
3: You should have
2: trademarked it. <laughs> so one of the things we like to do is impart value to people who are watching or listening, and we have you with us. What are some tips, words of wisdom, something you can share with the audience, whether they be content creators, marketers, or even in, in the food industry? Because a lot of what you've done doesn't apply necessarily to food. You're talking products, you're talking, like Mike just mentioned, employees, a business model. So any tips, tricks, something you could recommend for people who are out there starting on social media or looking to embark on the journey?
1: I just think it's important to um, know your audience and get to know them if you don't already and understand what it is that they like and what it is that they want. So like I said before when we were talking, when I see a product that I I have a, a good hunch about, I kind of try to work it into my life as... As an influencer first, so if it's um, if it's something with apparel, I'll just like wear it, you know, and hope somebody notices and kind of tease it a little bit. And then once I see, you know, if somebody if somebody picks it out and is like, "Where'd you get that t-shirt?" I know right away. Yeah. Like your
0: earrings, like yeah. the earrings you're wearing, like you throw them in there. Yeah. People respond. Where'd you get those earrings?
1: Right. Yeah
2: he's asking
3: or
1: no, he's asking you, me, where'd you get them? Oh, these I sell these. These are our Tadali hoops. <laughs> there you go, ink,
3: tarali you hoops. can buy great. them right now for care, yeah, right? Well, I mean, for ears, but, it, <laughs> years.
1: but it, it, <laughs> there you go, but they're valuable, like, they're
3: worn, signed, forget about
1: it. I don't know how valuable they are with the, my, 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 my body heat on them. Um, <laughs> but it, it's even like a, a knife, a really great knife that I believe in, or a really great uh, anything ravioli cutter. You know, I use the products. In the videos, and I see how how interested people are.
0: It's great. It's great. Well, listen, we really appreciate you coming down here. Yeah, again, thank you, you for have having a, me. A fantastic story, loving family. Like everything is again gorgeous. This is a piece of art.
3: Thank you. Everything that
0: you're doing out there is really great. We appreciate you. Uh, we want to sign off right now, Rosella Rago. Where where again? Rago. 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 Is that it. Yeah. Rosella Rago. Yes. Okay. I have a speech impediment because I'm from Chicago.
1: (laughs) From Chicago. You also think your pizza is better. I don't think it's better.
0: It's a different animal. Another story. So anyhow, signing off. (laughs) Rosella Rago. Thank you for coming with us. Cooking with Nona. Sunday dinners. Check out the new cookbook. Mike Bloomfield. Thank you. Anthony Rapp. Thank you for being with us. Guys who are listening
2: and watching, don't forget to like, follow, or share M Squared. Comment in the comment box. Do not forget to follow Rosella at cookingwithnona.com and give me
0: all your handles.
1: I'm at Rosella Rago. Two S's, two L's, um, everywhere.
0: Two S's, two L's. Everywhere. 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 Any parting words?
1: Um, Thank you guys. I mean, I always love Staten Island, no matter what anyone says about it.
0: Shots fired in the (laughs) compliments. That's a wrap. I swear, I'm Dan Ryan.
1: What's more Italian than a backhand compliment? (laughs)